Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 172nd podcast in Common Sense of Ramblings in America. Today I'm going to read, continue reading from my uh, novel, The Anderson Family Saga. Today I'll be reading chapters 11 and 12. And chapter 11 is entitled The Best Laid Plans. Without further ado, let me get started. The first thing Grandpa Gordon did Monday morning is to report to his commanding officer. After all, he had been almost three and a half years since he had taught his last class at the base. He was not sure how he would fit in it now. He also wanted to discuss with his boss, Colonel Frank Miller, his desire to transfer to a base closer to home. Maybe the best thing was to not even return to duty at the Nellis base. They, after all, had survived without him for three and a half years already. All these things, our thoughts, were going through his mind when he walked into the CO's office. The colonel stood up and greeted Captain G Grandpa Gordon after they'd exchanged salutes. He shook hands and patted him on the back warmly. Then he motioned him to sit down. Colonel Miller started first and asked Gordon what he could do for him. Well, sir, it seems my position as expected has been filled quite some time ago, and I was wondering how I would fit in now. About that, said Colonel Miller, there is no way I could hold your position open all that time. I held it open for the first couple of months that you were gone, but when the war in Korea did not appear to be ending any time soon, I had no choice but to fill it. The person replaced you was doing a fine job. While he doesn't have your pedigree, he still is doing it. He's still doing exceptionally well, and it would not be fair to him for me to bump him out of the position in lieu of you. I'm sure you can understand my predicament. The colonel continued to say, besides that, I checked your resume to update myself on your status, and I believe that returning as an instructor is not in your best interest. A typical career progression for a pilot, as I'm sure you are well aware of, is flight training, co-pilot wingman, flight lead, aircraft commander, instructor pilot, and then evaluator pilot. You have done everything according to your career progression except for evaluator pilot. Unfortunately, you do not have an opening for these positions either. Since our program is a top training program in the country for the Air Force, so transferring another program in another state would be a step in the wrong direction. He furthermore added, unfortunately, you are a victim of your own success. You have done almost everything you can do as a pilot. You are an ace in two wars and are a decorated pilot and were an instructor for the most prestigious training in the country. School in the country. You have also been on the fast track for promotions. You have made the position of lieutenant colonel in near record time. So with that in mind, the only recommendation I can make for you is to transfer to a, you to a new group that just formed in the June of last year. They called the group the Thunderbirds. They are the 3600th Air Demonstration Team and are stationed at Luke Air Force Base in Nevada, Arizona. They do over 50 demonstration flights all over the country. They are absolutely the very best pilots in the world. As a matter of fact, you may have trained a few of them in our program. The Colonel just kept going and said, with your record, any base in the country will accept you, but in all good conscience, this is the only position I can endorse for you. All the rest would be a step in the wrong direction. They change out three demonstration pilots every year, so they are openings right now. They are the best of the best, and it is an honor to even be considered for one of these positions. This detail is grueling mainly because they do group flying, which requires incredible coordination, training, and continuous practice. So what do you think, Colonel Gordon? Grandpa Gordon. Is finally able to reply, well, sir, to be honest with you, I did not know what to expect with this meeting. My original plan was to ask for a transfer to a base in Minnesota so I could be closer to my family and my girl. Your recommendation for me is something that I had never even considered or, for that matter, even knew existed. 
I thank you immensely for your ideas and recommendations for me. I will definitely follow up with them. The Thunderbird seemed like an excellent opportunity and a natural progression for my career. When will my transfer take effect? Colonel Miller replied and said, by the end of the week, you'll be in Arizona. Since you have not flown in over four months, I want you to spend as much time in the air as possible. Colonel Miller then shook his hand and wished him the best. They saluted and he left the Colonel's office. Over the next four days, he flew three and four flights each day. He flew with several senior pilots in the role of both wingman and lead. On the last day, with Colonel Miller's permission, he flew a few mock dogfights. The flights were the talk of the base for the next few weeks, even after Lieutenant Gordon had left. One evening, after much soul-searching, he called Clara's dorm so he could talk to her. He was put in hold while the student who answered the phone got her. They ended up talking close to an hour with her. I have included a synopsis of the conversation below, which I will read from now. According to the conversation, it started with all the typical fluffy stuff. Then it came quickly, got down to the meat and potatoes, so to speak. He told her what his orders were going to be. He explained to her about the Thunderbirds and what his assignment would be for the next two years. And upon his completion, he would be a full colonel. He explained to her all that his base would be in Arizona, but he thought the squadron would eventually relocate to Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. He believed this to be so since all the advanced training took place there. He expressed his feelings for her and how much she had been the center of his thoughts, and he wished that she could be there with him. But after giving it a lot of thought, and with a brand new squadron and all the training he would have to do to be ready to fly with them, he did not think that he would really have a lot of time to spend with her, even if she was able to transfer out west. So as much as it pained him, he felt that their course of action would be to stay on the path that they were already taking, which was to have her complete her nursing program in Minneapolis. He said that the squadron took off the whole month of December every year, so that he at least would have that time together. Also, they would be hitting several northern cities on their demonstration schedule, so maybe they could spend a little time together when he was in an area close by. As a matter of fact, maybe she could see him fly since their shows were always on weekends. Before he hung up, he said that he loved and missed her very much. By the end of the week, he had to admit that all the flying he had done had really helped. He found that his skills in maneuvering had improved, and he felt that he was flying better than he had ever before. He hoped he would be good enough to meet their standards in the Thunderbird Squadron. For the first time, he was actually looking forward to going on a new assignment. That concludes my reading of Chapter 11. Chapter 12, The Thunderbirds Early that Friday, Lieutenant Colonel Gordon landed at Luke Air Force Base, Arizona, which was located west of Phoenix, to start a new chapter in his life. He was to soon find out that this new assignment would be the most challenging chapter in his life so far. He was discovered that the flying he was about to do would be more challenging than any that he had ever experienced before. The sheer precision that this new unit exhibited was simply off the charts. Before we continue with his adventures, let's get a little more background information on the Thunderbird Squadron. After six months training in an unofficial status, the Thunderbirds were officially activated in June 1st, 1953, as a 3600 air demonstration team. The squadron, as Captain Grandpa Gordon had surmised, would relocate to its old stomping grounds at Nellis Air Force Base in June 1956. Their mission was to first support Air Force recruiting and retention programs, secondly to reinforce public confidence in Air Force and to demonstrate to the public the professional competence of Air Force members. Thirdly, to strengthen the morale and esprit de corps among Air Force members. Fourthly, to support Air Force community relations and people-to-people -people programs. And lastly, to represent the United States and its armed forces to foreign nations and to project international goodwill. As a side note, the USA 
Air Force, Thunderbirds are the third oldest formal flying acrobatic team under the same name in the world. After the French Air Force Patrouille de France, formed in 1931, and the United States Navy Blue Angels formed in 1946. The squadron is an air combat command unit composed of eight pilots, including six demonstration pilots, four support officers, three cap civilians, and more than 130 enlisted personnel performing in 25 career fields. Their flight season lasts from March to November, with the winter months being used to train new members. The pilots being side serving as demonstration pilots are also part of the combat force. If required, they can be combat ready within 72 hours. Grandpa Gordon would be initially flying in the straight wing F-84G Thunderjet. They would soon transition in 1955 to the swept wing F-84F Thunder Streak. In 1956, they would again change to the F-100 Super Sabre, the world's first supersonic fighter. Officers serve a two-year term per year assignment with the squadron, while enlisted personnel serve three to four. Replacements must be trained for about half of the team each year providing a constant mix of experience. Grandpa Gordon would be performing at approximately 70 or so demonstrations each year throughout the U.S. and international locations as well. They train from November to March, and by the end of February, they are ready for the show season. Nevertheless, the first demonstration for every season is not held until the end of March. By this time, every pilot will have completed 100 flights. The team takes the 9th of December off and then performs for the rest of the season with one other week during the season slotted as a rest period. This means that every day from November to March, each pilot flies two to three top flights a day. The following listed criteria for modern pilots in the 21st century, and the criteria that Grandpa Gordon had to meet was considerably different, right down to how much flying time he had with each type of jet used in the squadron and the type of jets that he could personally fly. This information was necessary in part because during his formative years, they frequently changed under fighter jets as they searched for the one that would best suited their needs. Since I could not find the actual criteria that they used in selecting their pilots, I did the next best thing, and that was to include the current metrics used to give the reader some semblance on how stringent the selection process was. The pilot candidates for Thunderbirds acrobatic team must have at least 1,000 flying hours on a jet fighter and must be current in the F-16. All candidates for the Thunderbirds must have at least three years, but no more than 12 years of military service. For more than all candidates, semifinalists are selected to join the squadron at the end of the season for traditional or additional assessment and evaluations during practice flights. Pilot candidates are assessed using the three F-16D aircraft. At the end of his assessment, the best are selected. Three demonstration pilots change every year. This assessment flights include close formation flying and some basic combat maneuvers. The commanding officer of the squadron will select the three new pilots who are then approved by the commander of combat aviation, the U.S. Air Force. Each new member of the squadron must also pass a 21-day training course, which contributes to their better integration of the team. As mentioned previously, the squadron was activated in May 25, 1953, and by August they had already flown in 26 shows. The first team leader was Major Richard C. Catledge, and the first plane used by the unit was a straight wing F-84G Thunderjet. Because the Thunderjet was a single-seat fighter, a two-seat T-33 shooting star served as the trainer's aircraft and was also used as a VIP press ride aircraft. The T-33 served with the Thunderbirds in its capacity in the 50s and 60s. In 1954, the Thunderbirds performed their first overseas shows in the tour of South and Central America and added a permanent solo routine to the demonstration. 
in the spring of 1955 under their second commander and leader, Captain Jake Sil B or M. Broughton, they moved to the swept wing F 84F Thunderjet, a street aircraft, in which they performed 91 air shows and received their first assigned support aircraft, a C 119 flying boxcar. So you can see Grandpa Gordon was certainly doing a lot of traveling. That is one of the reasons why he thought it was best that Clara stay in Minneapolis to complete her schooling. He simply would not have much time to spend with her. She therefore would have made the move for nothing. The pilots rotated out every two years, so by the time she finished her schooling, he would be in another rotation, and maybe it would be an assignment that would allow him to spend more time with her. I have included some of the maneuvers that they do in their shows. I am doing this so that you can see what type of flying Grandpa Gordon will be doing for the next two years. And there are some basic diagrams here that cover several pages of all the different loops and flights um, that some of these they actually do in their shows. Um, so, like I said, these maneuvers are by no means all the ones that they perform in any given show. I frankly don't know how they do it. I can't even remember the ones that I have included, let alone all the ones that they do. I am glad it is Grandpa Gordon that will be doing them and not me. The team experiences 50% turnover each year, as I already stated. Each team consists of three experienced demonstration pilots and three new demonstration pilots who recently earned their patch. So in a world where many businesses have been around for decades and yet their employees still can't function together, how is it possible for six airmen to rebuild this high-performance organization each and every year by achieving success the Thunderbird way? And I'm not going to regale you with all the different hoopla that they go through and all the good, positive, feel-good thinkings that they have. Uh, but suffice it to say, I've included it in this chapter, so you can read it for future edification. It's also in my podcast blog. Sorry, my blog. So, common sense dash and dash america.com under the chapter of the Anderson Family Saga. So, all the chapters that I'm reading from <coughs> are also here. Um, some of them have not been um, posted yet, um, but. I've at least had none of them have been posted on my podcast yet, but they're all on the blog. This is one of the many reasons that Grandpa Gordon does what he does and why he has fought in two wars. One way that these elite demonstration teams can perform at such a high level day in and day out is through preventative care. This is very important because they don't use backup pilots, mainly because each pilot has a unique task to perform and no one person could be competent in all these roles. That is one of the reasons why they, they utilize flight surgeons to closely monitor the health of the pilots. They take care of the minor health problems immediately before they have a chance to grow into bigger ones. They do a lot of physical training conditioning in addition to flight training. The athletic trainers do measurements of body mobility, balance, and muscle imbalances. Combined with the observations made by the flight surgeons, they are able to create a training plan and workout routine that helps to keep their pilots healthy and safe and flying. Healthy and flying. Most of the pilots work out five days a week to keep their body fit. The better shape they are in, the quicker they can recover from their grueling flight schedule. The daily grind of travel, flight demonstrations, time zone changes, and lack of quality sleep can create severe mental stress. The Thunderbirds provide counselors and chaplains once or twice a month for their flight needs to help with the stress in addition to attending to their spiritual needs. Before the performances of pilots fly, or chair fly to visualize certain maneuvers. On performance days, the teams also do physical warm-ups to activate the muscle groups, but not fatigue them. The Thunderbirds keep a high level of physical and mental strength through an annual comprehensive G-force tolerance pro improvement program that includes centrifugal centrifuge training as well as 
precision or personal strength exercise programs. These programs focus on the lower body and cardiovascular capacity, proper daily hydration, nutrition, and sleep habits. The purpose of this program is to maximize G tolerance to improvement and support aggressive daily maintenance of the physical and mental health of them team member. Every aviator undergoes a mandatory annual compression rinse of flight physical exam to prevent medical, physical, or psychological conditions from adversely affecting flight performance, safety, or the mission. Proper nutrition and hydration are important in maintaining bodies healthy enough to withstand the punishment of multiple G-force flying. I have included this information on the Thunderbirds to give the reader an idea of what these pilots and, Cap and Grandpa Gordon in particular go through in order to perform at such an exacting level. I think Grandpa Gordon has had a long enough break, so let's get back to our hero. He will pick up where he left off with Lieutenant Colonel Gordon Anderson, finally arriving at Duluth Air Force Base in Arizona. Once he got settled in, he was introduced to the Thunderbird team leader, Major Richard C. Catledge. Since Grandpa Gordon outranked him, they simply shook hands. Even though he had a stellar career, he knew that he was not going to get any free ride in this squadron. He would have been expected to prove himself. So he hopped into a flight fighter jet and went up to show what he had. He flew all of his favorite maneuvers, including 360s and barrel rolls and free falls and whatnot, to show them what he was capable of. When he got back to the ground, the team leader said, Not bad, but how are you with flying in close formation? Grandpa Gordon shrugged his shoulder and said, So, Major Cowlitz said, Let's find out. So quickly suited up and they both took off again. This time, Grandpa Gordon played the role of wingman. When they got into formation, Major Catledge asked him why he was so far away. Major Catledge said, we fly as close as 18 inches apart. And the Major signaled him to pull in closer. Then he instructed Captain Grandpa Gordon what maneuver he was going to do next, all the while maintaining as close a distance as possible to him. So he banked to the left and Gordon hung with him. Afterwards, he tried a few other simple maneuvers and Gordon remained with a couple feet of him each and every time he altered his flight path. When they had finished these simple maneuvers, the Major signaled him that it was time to land. When they got back on the ground, he told them that he had performed pretty well for his first time. Lieutenant Colonel Gordon had said that he had never flown that close to another pal before. The Major smiled and said, that is what we do here. He also said that there was only three positions available on the team, and that there were six pilots vying for those positions. So even though he had the best record of the group, he was not guaranteed a place on the team. After he submitted his application, which included his flying and fitness records, his performance reports, and a letter of recommendation from his previous CEO, he had then had to go through the selection process. Over the next couple of days, he competed with the other five prospects, and at the end of the trials, he had secured one of the three coveted places on the team. Was there ever any doubt? He was a natural pilot, so you had to know that he was going to get a spot. Since he had just came back from a four-month leave of absence, he was not eligible for any time off in December when the squadron took their time off, so he stayed at the base, and since Major, the Major was still fairly new to the squadron, he remained behind as well. So for the next 30 days, Major Catledge and Grandpa Gordon flew one to two training flights every day from Monday through Friday. As time progressed, they became good friends, and they started to really sink in their flying. Grandpa Gordon could not believe how much better his flying improved. The Major was truly a phenomenal flyer. The month of December was over fairly quickly, and the rest of the squadron came back from their leave. Now they began their coordinated flying training and practice began in earnest. Every year they tried a couple of new maneuvers or routines to help keep the show fresh and appealing for their fans and the Thunderbird junkies. Even though they had just started their demonstration flights, there were already a loyal following starting to build up. Before, below I am going to describe a typical day of Grandpa Gordon's while he was in the Thunderbird squadron. 
He's began his day with a five to six mile jog around the base, followed by some calisthenics, after which he then headed to the shower located at their barracks. Then he zipped off to get a quick breakfast in a mess hall. When 0630 rolled around, he headed to his daily briefing for a quick rep, situation rep for the team would discuss the planned flights for the day. This meeting could last as long as two hours. They spent the rest of their day either flying or prepping for their flights. After each of their flights, they would debrief and discuss what had happened if there was anything that needed to be tweaked. At 12 o'clock, they took a quick lunch break. On any given day, would expect to spend a little more time with the flight surgeon to make sure that they were in peak condition. They would get in at least one or two more flights in the afternoon, depending on the weather and or time constraints. They then wrapped up their day discussing the last flight. They finally called it a day at 1600. Grandpa Gordon now had the option of either eating dinner at the mess hall or going to a local diner for a change of pace. He usually opted for the mess hall to grub to save money. In the days leading up to their show dates, Grandpa Gordon and the rest of the team would fly five miles in every direction from the center of the show site to learn the airspace and to find any visual clues or cues and landmarks that they could use as reference points or timing aids in their maneuvers. On show day, they held a pre-flight meeting where they discussed their entire demonstration from start to finish, one thing that they had to contend with that most of the pilots do not have to deal with, and that was climate differences depending on where their shows were being held. It turns out that precision jets are sensitive to temperature and altitude differences. The conditions they flew could range from 110 degrees in Las Vegas to 70 degrees and super windy in locations like Fort Worth or Chicago. In one of his typical shows, his team spends more around 35 minutes of time in the air. During this time, they fly, as I have shown in the diagrams about, above a multitude of different formations. The solo pilots do additional single jet maneuvers as well. The show usually ends up with all six jets coming together in a V-shape or delta formation. Everything happens extremely fast for them since the team is so focused. They typically keep their speed at 400 to 450 miles an hour, even though its planes are capable of flying much faster. With the close proximity of their formations, the human body simply cannot react fast enough to planes' maximum speeds. Besides, they are not allowed to break the sound barrier unless there is an emergency, and because the sonic boom associated with supersonic flying could break the windows in nearly nearby houses. The max speed they hit is 650 miles per hour, which is just below the speed of sound. The squadron flies the same show each and every day, and to prepare for their shows, they fly up to two or three times a day during the training season. This is to make sure that they've got their demonstration dialed in so that the show takes place without any mishaps. Fridays are Grandpa Gordon's favorite day because they, he and the team get to interact with high school and college students. He also visits pediatric units at various hospitals to help bring joy to their young, hard lives. The two years of this assignment went by quickly, and the month he got to spend with Clara were simply exquisite. She was doing well in her nursing program. He could tell that she was going to make a great nurse. At his time with the squadron, due to a close, he knew that he was going to miss the camaraderie and the relationship that he had developed. His whole experience had been simply magical, and the only solace that he could make take from this was that he would be able to soon get married to Clara. With the relocations on the birds at Nellis, he was back in with his old CO, Frank Miller. Only now, he was a Brigadier General and commanded the 57th Wing. Sorry, of the four, five, two, fifth fighter weapons wing. Um, they didn't make that to 57th wing until after Grandpa Gordon took over. So I did not realize that when I was doing my study. Came across that in an additional article. So I made that correction in all my postings and all my chapters now. As promised, when Grandpa Gordon finally completed his rotation with the Thunderbird, he was promoted to Colonel. 
After his tour was completed, he paid a visit to his old friend, the newly promoted general, to pay his respects and to talk over his next move. That concludes chapter 12 in my readings for today. You have a great day.